I'm starting to think Connor Wigman might be the most underrated quarterback in the SEC. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in the Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. Yeah, folks, I really am starting to think. I was looking at, I saw a list of quarterbacks yesterday of all the quarterbacks in the SEC, ranked 1 through 14. And I looked at it, and I have seen Connor Wigman kind of ranked at the same place in every single one of these rankings lists. And it made me kind of sit and think. I was like, is this a fair rating? Is he underrated? Are there any play quarterbacks on this list that I think are overrated? And I think that it's it's starting to seem to me that Connor Wigman is the most underrated quarterback in the SEC. So let's run through this list. K.J. Jefferson at one, Jaden Daniels at two, Devin Leary at three, Joe Milton at four, Spencer Rattler at five, Carson Beck at six, Will Rogers at seven, which is criminal as well. Jackson Dart at eight, not a fan of that. Wigman at nine. Um, they had Milrow. This was a list from 247 Sports. I put Milrow slash Buckner because I put them kind of in the same tier. But them at 10, Peyton Thorne at 11, Brady Cook at 12, AJ Swan at 13, and Graham Mertz at 14. So, I mean, speaking to the underrated point, when I say underrated, I think what I kind of – and meaning by underrated is the fact that I think I think that Wigman's upside ceiling this season is through the roof. I think if all this pans together, everything about him, he takes that sophomore leap, I think he could finish as a top five quarterback in the SEC, which to me is makes him one of the most underrated quarterbacks on this list. Now, caveat here, I think that Will Rogers is is the best quarterback in the SEC. They have him at seven on this list. This is every other list I've seen has him somewhere between one and three. So we're we're gonna call this an outlier and, and act like he's not underrated because I think when I see him in the top three most places, that is fair because I think Will Rogers is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. I think he's a guy who's gonna move on to a potential to a good career at the next level. But I mean Jackson Dart, folks, I I do not think Jackson Dart is better than Connor Wigman. Not one, there is not, not one part of me thinks that. We saw him last year. Dart is a solid quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He can win football games in the SEC. But I don't think that winning football games in the SEC should really be the standard for a, a, an SEC quarterback, especially at a place like um, Ole Miss, you know, that's up and coming. I mean, we know it's not a Texas A&M. I mean, like maybe at Vandy in Missouri, okay, if you got a guy who can win an SEC game here and there, great. But Dart, I mean, like I said, I'm not hating on him. I think he's a solid quarterback. But frankly, I don't even know if he's going to win that job. I know they got Spencer Sanders, who's a good player. and I, But once again, Wigman, I think, is better than them. Then the other one here, the Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback, I don't – now, I think you could almost make this – the argument I'm about to make, you could kind of push back and make that same argument for Connor Wigman. But we haven't seen Beck. He's never started a college football game. Okay, we don't know. We don't know what he has. 
And I think that's just Georgia bias. It's like Alabama bias in the college football rankings. I think the funniest thing about college football is if a kid's committed to Bama, you'll see him go from a ranked 415 four-star to ranked 231 as a higher four-star. And then he'll decommit and go somewhere else, and he'll drop down to 642. That's the Alabama treatment. I think Carson Beck here is the SC, is the, the uh, Georgia treatment. And it's funny, our locked-on SEC host, Chris Gordy, who does the best Shaggy impression I've ever heard. And not Shaggy uh, from Scooby-Doo. I'm talking the singer. At uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. But he put in a, a futures bet for Carson Beck to win the SEC, and he always jokes and talks about how he got the best odds ever, and he loves telling people about that. But, folks, I mean I, – could Carson Beck come out and be a great quarterback? Yes, he's at Georgia. He's got the talent around him to do it. But I just I think it's a little it's a little premature to have him that high. We don't know what he has. But with Wigman, I mean, we saw him in five games last year. He started a handful. He played a lot of snaps. I mean, you know what you have in Wigman. You know what you have as like a, a ceiling. I mean, as a um, as a floor in Wigman. In Wigman, you know what you have as a floor. You don't know what you have as a ceiling. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. But frankly, I think that Wigman's floor, including the fact that he has three elite wide receivers, he has a a top 10 wide receiver room in college football. I think that his floor is higher than Jackson Dart. I think it might even be higher than like a Spencer Rattler. Like, so what I'm saying is, and I think people, so when I say underrated, like I look at these KJ Jefferson, I think he's properly rated. He's going to, should be one through three in everybody's list. Jaden Daniels, same there. Devin Leary, I think three or four is fair for him. Um, I, I, Rattler, not his biggest fan, but still, I mean, I, I, he's not. You're never going to see w- uh, Wigman ranked higher than him. Although, ironically, if you look at the Heisman odds, last time I checked, uh, Wigman has higher, better odds to win the Heisman than Rattler does, which I thought was hilarious. But, I mean. My argument is when I speak to underrated, every one of these lists, and it's funny because a lot of them have have a variety. You know, like I said, here's Will Rogers at seven. Most of them have him between one and three. I've seen some that have Carson Beck at ten, and then here's one that has him at I think six. Does it one, two, three, four, five? Yeah, six. So I think that the point to me, the point I'm trying to make is. I have seen Connor Wigman across the board flat out sitting at the nine spot in probably like six or seven different SEC quarterback ranking lists. I don't think that's where he needs to be. I think he needs to be a little bit higher. And like I said, I'm not out here saying that he should be top, you know, I I, I don't think he should be preseason ranked top five, but I think you can make an argument for him being ranked higher than Dart, Beck, and maybe even Rattler. But, I mean, I can run through all these lists and, like, so uh, Graham Mertz, I think, is properly rated. When I look at, you know, ratings of players, I think you got overrated, underrated, and then properly rated. I think Graham Mertz is properly rated. I don't think he's very good. A.J. Swan, properly rated. Brady Cook, properly rated. Peyton Thorne, Milrow, Buckner, properly rated. Wegman, I think he's underrated. Jackson Dart, overrated. Carson Beck, overrated. Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, overrated. And then I think Devin Leary, Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson are all properly rated. Um, Joe Milton's another guy who I just, I feel like, I mean, and once again, folks, this is something we are all guilty of. This is not just me. This is not just you all. This is everybody who loves sports. And I I just think as sports fans, we buy into hype pretty quick. I do it. I'd say more so in college sports, I do it with my fantasy football players. 
I mean, it's like, you know, I, I get on the hype train, the the mini camp hype train and draft players I shouldn't. And so we all do it. But my what I'm trying to get to here is with the Joe Milton stuff, I think, you know, he's been an okay quarterback his whole career. He comes in for the injured hooker last year, puts up good numbers, okay? Puts up good numbers. Puts up good numbers with a lot of talent around him. You lose some of that talent to the next level. I just now here's the deal. This one, this one could bite me in the behind, and Joe Milton could have a dominant year. I, I'm fully, I I believe in that. I like Joe Milton. Frankly, I, I like him. I, I think he's got a, a literal cannon for an arm. Like he does not have an arm. He has like a robot cannon. But I just think that we're a little bit overhyping him preseason. Um, and and you could argue, well, I'm doing that with Wigman. Perhaps I, I think that's just part of it all. But I think Joe Milton's a guy like now. Should he be above Wigman? Yes. But I don't think he should be above, like, I don't think he should be above Will Rogers. I think he's a little higher. And I, I, like I said, he could come out and, and, you know, prove me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised one bit about that because he has the talent to do so. All my argument is that his, at a previous stops and early in his career, he just wasn't really, I mean, dominant at any point. And then, except for these, he was pretty dang good the handful of games when Hooker went down last season for the Volunteers. So that's another one. But folks, I just, I think that Wigman, I think um, I went on the Spurs Up show yesterday to talk about a little bit the matchup between the Aggies and the Gamecocks. And I don't, I think that people forget sometimes that Wigman was a five-star recruit. I think people forget how athletic he is and how he can use his legs and how he can throw an accurate passes. And I think that to me, frankly, I think the decision-making is the one thing that needs to get crisped up a little bit. And folks, we saw some plays that I wasn't stoked about in the, um, in the spring game, you know, what we've made. I mean, so I think it is, um, he's got, he's got stuff to work on, but I think if we're talking about ceiling, I think that his ceiling is a top five, maybe even four quarterback in the sec. And part of that is, is thanks to all of the solid, not solid, the dominant weapons he has around him. You got a, a great wide receiver room. I think you have, you have Donovan Green, who I think could end up being one of the best tight ends in college football, right along with Brock Bowers. I mean, it's a solid room of weaponry that he has in his arsenal. He can throw the football to some really good pass catchers. And that's not something like, that's not a, you know, Will Rogers doesn't have as good of pass catchers. I don't think, frankly, I think on this list, I think that, yeah, I mean, I feel pretty confident saying that Wigman or has the best weapons, potentially even in the SEC. I mean, there's a couple guys you could make an argument that might be a bold take, but I just think that Wigman is being criminally underrated. And when I say criminally underrated, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC. That's not going to pan out. I think that he shouldn't be. I think he's going to finish top five, and I think he's currently sitting at nine. I think he's going to leapfrog four people in this list, and that's why I'm saying he's overrated because he's the most um, he's the most underrated quarterback in the SEC because everybody else on all these lists I've seen. I feel okay, you know, about where they're ranked besides maybe a spot or two. But when it comes to Wigman, I'm like, I think he is three or four spots lower than he really should be. And I feel very confident that when the season comes to an end, you're going to see Connor Wigman higher on this list than he is right now. So if you all think Connor Wigman's being underrated, let me know in the comments. I really, I think he is. Um, but I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that having a chip on your shoulder is never a bad thing. If Whether it's in life, whether it's on the basketball court at the YMCA, having a chip on your shoulder I think leads to results. So I'm not upset about it. I think 
being the underdog, being underrated, I think it's good for players. I think it may, it motivates you to work harder. It doesn't let you get uh, content with where you are in life. It keeps you working hard and motivated every day in life. And I think we could see that for Connor Wigman. So hopefully that comes to fruition. And when the season ends, we have a top five quarterback in Aggieland. And I think that in the SEC, and I think that is a realistic possibility. Folks, we are almost to football. Now I'm talking about fall camp. I'm not talking about the season because while we are, I believe under 40 days to the season, it still feels like an eternity, but we are getting close to fall camp, folks. Let's talk about some talking points and some things that we want to see come to fruition at fall camp. That's coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. But first, I want to talk about our wonderful sponsor in LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I just, folks, LinkedIn, it's an app like I can't sit here. It's a service that I think people underappreciate how helpful it is. I mean, LinkedIn Jobs it helps you find jobs. I found jobs on LinkedIn. I, my parents use LinkedIn a lot. All my friends, I have a friend, one of my roommates actually, um, that just found a job on LinkedIn after graduation. And it was funny because he had jobs lined up and then he, um, someone reached out on LinkedIn and that's his new job he just started. So it's like LinkedIn's great folks. It, it lets, it let, if you're a business owner looking for, for candidates, it lets you it's like social media for, for business owners. And I love the way it works. I think it's a great app and it truly does make the hiring process easier for everybody. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qual find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. Folks, we are almost to real football. Real football being fall camp. We are there. You can reach out and touch it. What day is today? The, when you all are watching this episode, it'll be the 27th. How many days do we got in this wonderful month of July? It's 31, right? Yep. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six. We are exactly, there you go. We are one week away from fall camp, folks, which this host could not be more excited about. I think fall camp, and that's why, like, I think it's hard to it's hard to do rankings and talk about like it, it, where where should the teams be ranked because we don't know we don't know teams aren't complete until fall camp's over. You have injuries, you have people win battles. You don't know about each of these SEC teams until fall camp is over, and we are officially here, folks. I am really looking forward to fall camp and just kind of hearing all the talking points. What's the coaching staff saying? I love that we get, um, you know, you, you, we're going to have, we're going to get to listen to post-practice interviews, get to hear Jimbo talking about what's going on in fall camp, who's been standing out. That's all stuff I love to hear. I love hearing coaches name drop players because to me that, you know, if a coach is name dropping a player, that means it's on the forefront of their mind. They say, okay, wow, this guy really played well. So they had a solid practice. That leads to playing time. That leads to snaps. So I love fall camp. I think it is a 
it is a real indicator for the season to come and a real indicator for what you have on your team. So I think we're going to know a lot more about this Texas A&M football team in a week than we do right now. And I cannot wait to break all that down, but let's kind of run through some talking points, folks. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting talking points and kind of question marks that I kind of want. I want some of these things to be answered by the end of fall camp. And so the first one I have here is which um, I want to know which true freshmen are standing out. We talked about, um, I talked yesterday about, I was in that Twitter space and we were talking about DJ Hicks. I talked about DJ Hicks. Oh goodness. Was that Monday? What well, one day this week we talked about DJ Hicks and how, I, cause I talked about players that I think have the most approved, which still stands true for DJ Hicks. But the question is, I mean, is there even any playing time for him on within this talented defensive line? I mean, you have all of these true freshmen, um, defensive backs. Then you have T's and Cottrell and, uh, you got, you got some of these, you got Basantis, you got these big offensive linemen. How are these players doing? Are they going to be able to work into the, into the lineup? Are they going to be able to work their way into the two deep? I think that's realistic. I feel very confident that you're going to see a, a true freshman in the two deep. If I had to guess, I'd say it's going to be Bizantis. Um, that's just kind of my, my, my bold prediction there. Uh, Coach Fisher was quick to name drop him at SEC Media Days when someone kind of was asking him about the true freshman who's been playing well. So I think who's been of of the true freshman who's kind of been standing out, who's been playing well, is a talking point that I want kind of answered at at, at uh, fall camp. How do the quarterbacks look? I mean, you know, I think we've talked about is it a smoke? Is it a, um, a smoke screen? Is there is it not really a quarterback battle? I, I'm I, I went back and forth. Hearing Coach Fisher talk at SEC Media Days, I kind of was like, is it a battle? And I kind of leaned that way a little bit. And when I say battle, I was still like 80% confident it was going to be Wigman. Um, but I want to know how the quarterbacks perform because at the end of the day, I, I want Wigman's going to be our guy, and I feel very confident putting my stamp on that. But the SEC, I mean, how, how many teams had to use a backup quarterback last year? Of course, the Aggies did. Um, last season in the SEC. I mean, it feels like it was five or six or seven teams had to go to backup quarterbacks. You know, you had Milton come in for Hooker, and you had um, Max Johnson and Wigman come in at different times. And, I mean, I'm trying to think of other schools, but I mean, that's my point is you had so many different starters come in or uh, backups come in for starters in the SEC last year. Having a good backup is crucial. So I want to know that both Wigman and Max Johnson are having good fall camps and are developing well. Because I think that they have similar skill sets aside from the fact that Wigman can use his legs better than Johnson can. But I do think the real, the one thing that stood out to me at the spring game was they both did kind of make, they both showed a little bit of some decision-making that I wasn't super, super happy with. You know, there, there were some, some bad decisions on the field for both of them. So, you know, like, can we work on decision-making? I want to hear, is the decision-making improving a practice? Those are the things I want to hear about the quarterback room. And frankly, all I want to hear is positives. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to hear negatives. And now coaches don't really throw negatives around a lot, but I don't want to hear them, folks. I don't, I mean, if, if they're, if they need to be heard, I want to hear them. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is I don't want there to be any negatives surrounding this quarterback room. Um, out of fall camp. I want it to be all positives. Both of these guys are doing great. Wigman's the guy, but Max Johnson is a solid backup, which is going to be a big positive for this Texas A&M football team. 
Another interesting thing is the transfer defensive backs. You know, I felt pretty I, – I think the um, secondary as a whole, we talked a lot about Bryce Anderson yesterday, and I'm starting to get high on him. But, you know, with Sam McCall and Josh DeBerry and Tony Grimes, how are those guys going to work in? It really feels like they're too talented to not be on the field. But I'm pretty confident that you're not – you might not see a couple of those guys. I, I, Josh DeBerry and Sam McCall, I don't know how much you're going to see them on the field. So I want to know what, how they're looking at camp. Are they kind of building the case for why they need to be on the field, why they need to be an every down player in the, in the, in the Texas A&M secondary? That's a talking point I definitely want answered because, and here's the deal, folks, all three of those players are talented. They've been there and done that at the Power 5 level. So it's, I mean, obviously the transition to the SEC is going to be difficult, but the transition to the SEC, at least they're playing, they've been playing at the power five level and they haven't been playing, you know, at a smaller school. They haven't been playing at Texas state or, or, you know, they haven't been playing at a, a smaller school to where it's harder to transfer from there to the SEC and transfer your skill set is what I'm getting at. So I feel pretty confident that if all three of those guys I just named could, uh, and I feel Pretty good that Grimes is going to start. The other two will kind of see how their playing time shapes out. But what I'm getting at is I'm confident that all three of them, if they got on the field, they could play and play well at the SEC level. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works out for them. And then the last um, the last kind of talking point I have here is just what's going on with the coaching staff? I mean, can we get a vibe for who's going to call plays? Uh, we feel, uh, um, you know, Connor Wigman went on a show the other day and kind of dropped the – I think act, talked a little bit more than he should have maybe to a coach Fisher's liking, but that coach Petrino has been doing everything when it comes to the offense and it's his offense. And so is that rain true? I, we don't want to see coach Fisher and coach Petrino button heads in fall camp because if they're button heads in fall camp, look out for the season. So that's, I think, and I think that could potentially be the biggest talking point. I want to see if we're running plays, I want to see them be coach Petrino's plays. And I want to see coach Fisher be cool with that. And, you know, let Coach Fisher make the decisions on do we go for it, for it, the one, do we kick the field goal here, do we onside kick, like let the head coach do the head coach's job and let the coordinators do the coordinator's job. And I think that could lead to lots of success for the Aggies if that does end up happening. We've talked about that a ton here on Lockdown Aggies. You everydayers know that. Um, so those are the talking points. And, I mean, there's a lot more. I mean, we're going to potentially move this into some other things. Um, and then last thing before we hop into our last segment today is I'm going to do a mailbag for Friday's episode. I will pin that in the comments. Um, so I will pin it in the comments, but leave a question in the YouTube comments, folks, and let me know some questions, and we will answer them on Friday's episode of Locked on Aggies. So leave a question in the comments on YouTube or send them to me on my Twitter, send them to me on the show's Twitter, and we will get them on the show for Friday. Okay, folks, and the last thing we're going to talk about today is this running back room. A-Chain left a big hole when it comes to the receiving game. Who's going to fill that hole? Coach Fisher alluded to it a little bit in the question that I asked him at SEC Media Days, but let's talk about it. Coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. So, folks, of course, losing A-Chain to the next level, you lose a ton of carries. You lose a ton of production you lose one of the best running backs in college football. We all know that. So now the question, but but the running game, I, I'm, I'm not as concerned. Obviously I am because it's hard to replace a player that I think is going to go have success in the NFL. 
But I think you have to replace his receiving production. Last season, A-Chain had 36 receptions for 196 yards and three touchdowns. The question then is, how do you replace that? Last year, Le'Veon Moss, one reception, eight yards. Amari Daniels, two receptions, one yard. This was a big talking point for me, but Coach Fisher kind of answered it a little bit at SEC Media Days. He said, he made it very clear, he said that all three of the guys, he said Le'Veon Moss and Amari Daniels both can catch the football. Said that straight up to the answer to my question. And then he proceeded to say, Ruben Owens can do everything they can do. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that means that he can catch the football well as well as those three. So as those two. So I think that all three of these guys are going to be able to catch the football out of the backfield. But for a a quarterback in Connor Wigman, who is young, and like we said, he is still going to be a second year player. You like having that safety net, having that safety blanket, whether it's your, your tight ends, whether it's your running backs, you like having somebody you can dump the football off on to dump the football off to, check it down and pick up four or five yards on a play that could have been incomplete or could have been a loss of five on a sack. So I think that one of these guys has to step up. I kind of think hearing Coach Fisher, the way he kind of explained it, I think it might be Le'Veon Moss, folks. Um, Now, all three of these guys are going to have receptions, but if I had to think of who's going to be the guy, like if you're going to draw up a screen to a running back, I think it might be Le'Veon Moss, uh, just based off, just purely based off the way Coach Fisher answered the question. But this is, I didn't want to talk about this in the last segment since we were going to talk about spring talking points or fall t- talking points because we we're going to be talking about it here in segment three. But that is another fall uh, camp talking point. Who is going to be getting the receiving work out of the out of the running back room, that's going to be a question. I'll try and I'll get in some con- into contact with some players or, or some coaches, and, and, we'll, and I'll see if I can figure that out because it's a it's a question we want answered, and I think Fall Camp might answer it. We just have to get the answer. So I'm going Le'Veon Moss. Let me know who you all think in the comments. Who's going to be the guy that catches the passes out of the backfield for the Aggies this season? Let me know in the YouTube comments. I'm laying I'm laying my claim that it's going to be Le'Veon Moss. You all let me know who you think it's going to be in the YouTube comments. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Aggies. As always, I really appreciate you all tuning in. It means a lot. It's been another fun week here here on Locked on Aggies from my new house. Still setting things up. I'm going to have my setup hopefully good to go for next week. So I'm looking forward to that. But like I say, folks, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Put some mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. We'll answer those on Friday. And we will... See you tomorrow.